0: Hey, this is Jose Gallison on No Way Jose. This will be my first episode, not on the Liberty Movement YouTube channel, because in this episode we're gonna be doing 2020 review. And with a crazy year, this has been. There's absolutely no way I can do it without while sticking to the brand of the Liberty Movement. And uh, probably gonna go a little bit in the political. As I've said before, I'm a non-voting anarchist and political policy is just generally not what I care about. So it still won't be politics heavy. You're still gonna be getting the kind of same thing. Just uh yeah, just branching out a little bit here. So my guest today is Patrick McFarlane. Uh, Patrick, you want to give a quick intro to the audience of who you are and what you're about?
1: Yeah, is man. elevator so, pitch. <laughs> yeah, the elevator pitch. I yeah. My name's Patrick McFarlane. I'm a practicing personal injury attorney. I'm also a voluntarist anarchist, and uh, I do the Liberty Weekly podcast. I've been doing it since maybe 2017. I always forget. I always think it's longer than it really has been. But um, so yeah, I'm at libertyweekly.net. I I talk about libertarian legal theory and I I do interviews, a whole bunch of stuff. So I also do Substack. I've been doing that lately. So, yeah, glad to be joining you.
0: Hell yeah. No, it's actually funny. I initially wanted to do like a bio episode with you, and then I just like, just being a, a cluttered brain or whatever the fuck the saying is, I kind of didn't realize it's like this is the last episode of 2020. And it's like, how do you not do an episode of 2020? Usually I feel like that's like a hokey thing to do, like in podcasts, but in this year, it's kind of like, how the fuck could you not? Right. No, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think that's so just forgetting that it's the new year is so emblematic of 2020 because this year just flew by. I mean, it felt like an eternity and a lifetime, but it, it went like that, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's funny too, cause it's so much happened this year. And this was the year that I've always been a current events junkie. And I've said this a few times on the show, but as of late, probably about half of this year, I just checked out. Cause I just, you got to a point where I was on overload and it's just like too much to keep up with. And it's just like, you know, what? I, don't, I don't, I don't fucking care <laughs> like, at some point. It's like, I got to just take care of me and my own. And you know, like who cares whether I'm getting 2000 or 600, like, You know, me bitching about it—it's not going to make a difference,
1: anyways. So, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I
0: think. uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say
1: something. I I was going to say that. Well, two thousand or six hundred. But then, like, I had this conversation today with somebody at work. It was like, okay, yeah, we get two thousand now, but our share of the national debt goes up ten or fifteen (laughs) thousand. You know, just like, and the whole thing seemed like it started off. And how long ago was this that it started off with? um Soleimani getting executed wasn't it oh yeah
0: oh god I did I don't I don't know how I, that didn't even come up I remember being like enraged and that shit happened right?
1: <laughs> but that, that's such like small potatoes now I think that <laughs> happened in like July or, Fe- or excuse me January or February or something
0: yeah we straight up blatantly assassinated a foreign leader like no big whoop
1: <laughs> that was, yeah. and we
0: forgot about it
1: yeah <laughs> That was the one of the smallest things. I mean, going to the brink of a regional war that would have—I uh, don't know—another nope. Vietnam, if not bigger, crazy.
0: Yeah, no, they were re- they were really clamoring for that Iran <laughs> interaction this whole year. I don't, I don't, I'm, I was blown away that never happened. I felt like most of the year I was just like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck! Yeah. What is this going to happen?" <laughs> I, I feel like
1: it's going to happen with with Biden now. I mean, there's so many flashpoints that it seems like it could turn into something.
0: Yeah, I mean we'll get into like kind of like going forward later, but I do I think there might be hope for the future. And I think I think maybe with a Biden he may be a little bit lame duck. And then also like also the is it gonna be Biden? Is it gonna be Kamala? Who knows? Yeah. And either or are both super unfavorable. So it's kind of like it's almost like you're taking the mask off Vader and kind of showing like the really hideous fuck that it is. Yeah. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you've been listening to a lot of like Yarvin lately. That's kind of one thing he's been harping on. I which, haven't uh, quite as yeah. much.
1: That's uh, Yarvin is something I, I know that Keith Knight, he's, I guess, technically spiritually the co-host of, of <laughs> my show, but Keith is his own animal and he, he did like a long interview with Yarvin.
0: Oh, I saw it. Yeah. I've been digging Yarvin. A lot of people shit on Yarvin and I'm not, Yarvin's one of those people that like people get upset about. I don't even really know. I've never read any of his shit. So I know like people say he has like, especially like some of the blue pilled lefty types are like, you know, he has problematic thinking or whatever the fuck. I don't really, really even honestly know nor care. Right. Like, Cause I, for one, even if he did, even if he was straight up like an alt right type, if he still has something interesting to say, I want to hear it. I don't yeah, agree yeah. with everything Arvin has to say. And he has some really interesting thoughts and things to contribute. So it's like, fuck yeah. And like, he seems to be his biggest thing that I don't like people shit on too is, but it's like public speaking because they go like um 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 and everybody makes fun of him for that. And it's like this dude's a genius, and it's like right. he just seems to have an issues with communicating. And it's like he's I don't know, like uh, he's getting better every time I've noticed with every like time he's come on somewhere else. So it's like I, I don't know. And I feel like people shitting on him if anything might make him be like, well, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm guilty of that because I do think uh, I think um, Pete Raymond posted something somewhere about his interview with Curtis Yarvin, or no, it was um in the principled Libertarian. Um, there was a post about it, and I I said something about okay, the man is obviously incredibly intelligent, but he really needs to work on his public speaking. But I, you know, I'm not one to talk because uh, God knows I have my own vocal tics you know, yeah. It, it, but the, the listening experience certainly. And I, yeah, but he, yeah, he's, he's very smart. It's, it's obvious that he is.
0: Yeah. And I definitely have a lot of disagreements. I mean, actually, I don't know. I mean, I, I still haven't like, don't completely entirely understand all of his thinking, but I have no, some disagreements but at the same time. It's still like, even the disagreements he does has, it's still like fascinating to see how he arrived at those conclusions. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff there. I don't even know do you even know the problematic things that people get butthurt about him about I mean I don't even really care to be honest but right. it's kind of like cuz like even if he was even if he was like say he was completely for like a white ethno state I haven't heard him say it so it's kind of like even if that was a thing it's obviously not that big of a deal and even if he did believe that it's like okay well I'll just throw that part away I don't really right. like, <laughs> <I, laughs> And even and even then under like if you were to go like down full like Hoppa, it's kind of like I mean, as long as voluntary, who gives a fuck?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, I, I feel that way too. I mean, yeah. Hoppe is, um, I think right up there with Rothbard, I I am a student of Hoppe just as much as Rothbard. And I, I wanted to add that becoming an attorney doesn't humble everyone. You would think it would. It makes it go to people's heads. But for me, becoming an attorney has been immensely humbling for me because it you don't really, people don't know, but when you become an attorney, you make an ass of yourself constantly, especially when you're first starting out. So one thing I've really tried to internalize is that you can learn something from everyone. And in, in working, you know, with clients and everything, I, it, it humbles you. And I've really tried to take that to heart is that no matter who it is, even if they're a terrible progressive, like talking head, I'm sure there's something that you can learn if you keep your mind open.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree to that to an extent, but there are some that I just like I, – I mean I'll do my best, but I, I won't put myself there. For example, I used to try – I used to really, really, really try to like maintain a, a holistic view of the world and or not a holistic view, but a – to be exposed to other thoughts. And I still – so I don't necessarily not try to anymore. It's not like I'm like hanging out in an echo chamber. Like for example, right now I'm doing a uh, Noam Chomsky audiobook just to kind of like – just for shits and gigs. I'm not going to lie. I'm finding it boring as fuck but like, I saw your uh,
1: facebook post about yeah, it.: i was
0: expecting more i don't know why yeah. i guess maybe it's just I, my thing is maybe it's because i'm already red-pilled in the media so like this is something yeah. that's so long ago that's kind of like oh okay you're just telling me shit i already know cool <laughs>
1: it's gonna be an edward bernay's thing something profound and devious but i'm i'm sure it's just noam chomsky talking very slowly
0: yeah it's just him I mean so far I'm like halfway through it's just like repeated instances of how shitty the media is and I'm like yeah, yeah. I, I know yeah. which I mean like maybe if this I don't know when the book came out but it was like what 20 30 maybe years ago or something it's like maybe then I'd be like whoa <laughs> Yeah.
1: I, I can, well and this I guess this brings us back a little bit to 2020 um, is that it's harder to red pill people now because <laughs> I mean there's a significant segment of the population that has been red pilled and um, But uh, it's, it's, it's harder now to impress things because it's like, I don't know if this is better or worse because people hear terrible atrocities that the media is, is pulling over people's eyes and, um, they're like, okay, yeah, that's what we expect. It's
0: almost like like you're not shocked or don't see through to this point. It's like, you're almost a lost
1: cause. (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: it's like, what can I even really do here? It's like, I I, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I don't, well, we're having fun here, but I'm gonna. I think I had a point that I kind of left in the d- dust there. We kind of went down another rabbit trail, but whatever. We're having fun with it. This. This it's how conversations work, oh, anyways. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, let's let's get to because we're doing a 2020 review. So let's do uh, both of us. I'll have you start first. We'll do kind of our breakdown, just a overview of just 2020 and review from your perspective, and do like a personal and an overall. Because I'm kind of want to hear more about your personal side of things and how it's affected you, and then kind of like the overall, like how it's, how you envision it however way you want to take that
1: well i i spent most of 2020 um i i had we had our son in may of 2019 and in one way i think it was great and convenient if it could be that covid happened when it did because we didn't have to worry too much about trying to have kids at home with us while we're also trying to work from home Um, I was in the privileged kind of white collar class where working remotely was a thing that I could do. Um, however, my firm was one of the only firms that did go remote. Most law firms around here were deemed essential and most didn't go remote. Um, I am not someone who is good at working remotely. I need to be in an office in order to succeed. So I think it was a real struggle to, to try and and find that new balance, um, which I, I I don't want to make light of it because I had a job. I didn't have any trouble paying the bills. Um, I, I suppose because I was deemed essential. My sister is someone who just graduated and uh, from undergrad, and so she wanted to go to med school, but she wasn't able. She had to find some kind of job, and now she she's uh, she's in a position where she's kind of struggling to, to figure out, you know, everything went on hold and she got her graduation stolen from her. And so those are struggles. I mean, but for, for ourselves, I started a lot of hobbies. It it was one thing to, and maybe you can relate to this. Jose was, um, for so many years, uh, crying. What is that? The chicken little saying that the sky is falling being someone who's a doomer. I've been a doomer for four years and to see things actually start to happen. Um, I've always been a kook and a conspiracy theorist, especially in the last five years to my family. But I think I I like to think that they started taking me more seriously when all this shit started going down. Um, so I got a lot into prepping. Um, I grew up with guns and hunting and my family doing that. So I really embraced that hobby and kind of rediscovered it now that I have actually some like disposable income. So I got into reloading. I got into, I bought. I bought an AR, I bought an AK, I bought an SKS, I bought a concealed carry. Um, I bought, I got for my birthday, my dad bought me a reloading kit, even though I can't find primers anymore and no one can. Um, I started gardening. I got close to some local libertarians that we made friends. We kind of hooked up together and we're going to try to, you know, they have chickens and stuff. So we're, we're trying to get that support network in place just in case the shit really hits the fan. And I didn't buy any gold, but I bought crypto when I started trying to trade a bit more. So those are kind of the things that I've been doing uh, in my own personal life uh, to, to kind of adapt. How about you, man?
0: Uh, I kind of had a lot of the same effects. I, I was one of the lucky ones, too, that I uh, fucking... I was able to work through, I mean, I'm salary, so it kind of didn't fucking matter. Like, oh, you want me to like cut down to week on, week off or only come in these days? I don't give a shit. Like that's, that's fucking great. I'd rather not work and get paid anyways. So, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, in some ways it kind of sucked there too. Cause like with my work, uh, my name's a pseudonym so that I have reasons that I don't go full on, but with my work, um, like there were some, the way my job works, like reducing us being at work made work more stressful when we were at work. So that was, I mean, I'm kind of glad things have gone back to normal in a way because it's like, at least where I'm at in Florida, like for, with my work, it's gone kind of back to normal in that way. Cause it is like, it was good for a while, but then things kind of backed up, backed up, backed up. And then it's like, work slowly got more and more stressful to where it was like, this just isn't even like, yes, I have more time off. and more time with the family, but I'm like, when I am at work, I'm like way more stressed. So but yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, the time I had at home was fucking great. So much came out of it. Like, I got to spend time with my family more. I did dabble in gardening. I, like, I, one story I've kind of gone to a lot of people is I did start out at the beginning. I was, like, the whole Doomer thing. I was super black-pilled, like, whenever this shit was going on. And through the process, like, the black pill kind of made me white pill because the black pill caused me to get ready. And not that I'm saying – I'm not in any way saying that I have, like – stockpiles of gold or crypto or ammo or whatever, but I got more ready. I like kind of put in more of a a fallback. I dabbled in gardening. I, I didn't get a reloading, but I did, I panic bought an AR. So now I have an AR, I have a shotgun, I have a pistol, you know, like, and I have plenty of ammo to where like, if I need to, I've already set up game plans with all my friends. Like I live out kind of, I'm not in like the woods woods, but I like, I literally have acres and acres and acres behind me. I own two acres. So like, I'm fenced in. So it's like I already have a game plan of like if shit pops off, like what me and my friends are going to do. So like I got more ready. I didn't necessarily get gold or crypto at all because I don't have that kind of disposable income right now. So in my theory when it comes to like gold, crypto, you know, stuff like that, especially if you're worried about hyperinflation, what you want is physical goods, like shit you can use. So like, you know, guns, ammo, you know, gardening tools. Like, so I, I I got a little bit more stocked up there. Like I have a little bit of a stockpile of seeds, you know, stuff like that. Not that I'm, and like the more time goes on, the less I'm actually worried about a big collapse. If anything, it's looking more like it might be like sustained type thing. I, I don't know. It's going to manifest in different ways, but it's still good to have that ready just in case. Because I also do think there's going to be, there's a good chance that going forward, it's going to be, it's kind of like looking at these stimuluses where they're going to kind of make us more on the teat of government. So if you can be off the teat, you're going to be less able to be controlled. So like, that's the idea essentially, you know? So yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, I got to hang out with my my kids more. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there are a lot, this, I started the podcast here, so I don't know, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, you know, if it does cool, if it doesn't, whatever. I mean, I do feel like, I mean, things open other doors, you know, cause like, for example, this actually started with a Facebook group, which, it kind of like the Facebook group, the Liberty movement that this started with, it fucking went gangbusters during the height of COVID. Cause that's when we started, it blew up and like, and that was before Facebook was like fucking, I, I don't know if Facebook got wise to like shit that was going on, but they kind of like dialed things back, like back at the height of the COVID I could like, for example, I put out posts today trying to get like input from people got barely any return. If I'd done that at the height of COVID, I probably would have had 10 comments within like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Now it's, you know, things have died down. I don't know if it's just that Facebook's put in algorithms or just less people are on it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. The point being, it, a lot of stuff happened. So this came out of a Facebook group which then opened the door for this, which, I don't know. It's just like one door opens, you know, or whatever the fuck the saying is. So it'll like, you know I mean? It's like if, if this just falls flat, whatever, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, I develop some more public speaking skills. But I don't know, it's, overall, 2020 has been good for me. I've actually been kind of white-pilled out of all this. I do think it's uh I do think the future is weirdly like a mix of bleak and bright at the same time. So I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it other than that. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want to give your thoughts overall of just the state of not from a personal perspective, but the uh just overall since we kind of didn't go into that.
1: Oh yeah, I got so much, man. I wrote out a list. We were saying before we went on air that there's just so much. I mean, uh, I'll 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 name off the list and maybe we can choose from it. But this is the list I put together. Well, so. let's
0: do like an overall, just kind of your overall uh, okay state, state of the union or whatever the fuck. And then uh, maybe like a, I mean, obviously it's hard to encapsulate 2020. And then I figured we would go topic by topic.
1: Okay, okay. So <laughs> um, just your
0: overall impression of the year. I mean, I kind of gave mine a little bit there at the end. Just kind of your overall impression. I mean,
1: <laughs> what I really think. I mean, I. I would say that my biggest influence is James Corbett. And I've I've he was one of the first people that I started listening to. And I I really do think, I really do believe that this is the ushering in of the lockdown of the human population. I I really do believe that, and, and maybe that's a big black pill, but but I'm the unprecedented uh, degree of totalitarianism that we're walking into right now and how easily it was ushered in and how in a way it was just a lockstep phenomenon. And it's not the first time that we've seen a global societal shift like this towards a certain direction. So I would like to temper my words, but I've, I've done a lot of studying recently of the propaganda efforts in Britain specifically during World War I to promote the war and promote the the public to sell the war and to get a lot of, of British citizens to support the war effort and to volunteer for the services. And, I mean, they're, the, the parallels are uncanny, really. I mean, they're very similar, eerily similar, and the propaganda efforts in that time were just kind of in their infancy. But I that has to be my highlight, is the lockstep, the the, the handing over of liberties without a question, uh, some people are questioning, uh, us, a surprising number of people are questioning. I think they need to get more brave and maybe they will get more brave as they get more desperate. Um, but I really do think it, it would be if, if we were to go back in time until, you know, just even the beginning of March, 2020, uh, 2020, this year, the beginning of March. And you had said that, okay, we're going to enter a lockdown where the governor's of your state are going to be able to tell you and i'm sounding a lot like dave smith here but it's a prescient point we're going to be going into a period of time where the governors of each state is going to are going to be telling you whether or not you can have your grandma over for dinner and whether or not she can take a piss in your guest bathroom
0: on a daily basis
1: yeah (laughs) no one would have believed that
0: yeah even here in florida we had the daily thing yeah um I kind of want to touch on something you brought up there, back there. Uh, I'm trying to actually recollect it now. Oh, you kind of brought up uh, how this has hallmarks of previous, you know, propaganda efforts. Really, we don't even have to look that far back. I know this has been brought before. This isn't an original thought. But this is just 9-11. This is 9-11 over again. 9-11 was the the event that ushered in, you know, the Americans, you know, the overall consent for carte blanche for, you know, overseas, foreign, whatever the fuck they want to do and that's kind of what this is is this is their attempt to you know carte blanche whoever they want domestically and you know it's kind of them you know making us more dependent and but i do think they might be overdoing it and with all the greater reset talk and they've even brought up in some of the greater reset talk about how there will be these people like you know in the future the 2030 i'm sure you've heard that like john bush i don't know if you listen to stuff he brings up a lot how like. You know, there'll be people that are, you know, living in the outskirts and their dilapidated homes or whatever the fuck, you know, not in our, our, you know, super state technological centers. But when he when he first started talking about it, it reminded me of a book. I can't remember his name. It's going to bug me now because I actually looked it up before because I had the same exact issue because I couldn't remember his name. But he, uh, I want to say James Scott or something. He's a historian. He's like an anarchist historian. And I think it's from this book Against the Grain, I believe. And he brought up, and it sounded exactly like that, how in the past – that I think it had more to do with, like, how they shifted the way people ate and stuff. And, like, because of that, like, to, like, you know, living off wheat and stuff, that kind of formed the basis for the initial societies and states. And there were people who said, fuck this. And they kind of went from the – they moved from the less fertile areas to being, like, kind of on the edges of society, kind of roughing it a little bit more. But they actually went into how they actually, from, you know, looking at, like, you know, it's like bones and shit like that. And just like, they generally looked healthier. They seemed to, from all indications, probably have better lives. And, but they were actually like essentially anarchists. They weren't, I mean, I'm sure like some of them probably had more like tribe type societies and stuff, but they weren't like, you know, a state essentially like how we see it. So, and they actually seem to thrive better than the state itself, even being in less ideal conditions. So it's like, I kind of see maybe that going forward. So, I mean, I think with that, there's hope going forward because it's like there will be the people who don't buy into it. And, I mean, this also kind of ties into – I don't know if you – like during this, I kind of got into agorism too, read all of Conkin's work, and a lot of this has hallmarks of the whole like his, you know, fucking how he thinks all this like the agorist fucking revolution will go down essentially. Like this has a lot of hallmarks of that as well where it's like this is almost like a faltering animal, you know, like its dying fucking breasts really just – struggling for control there's just so much there and it's it's like almost like all of my reading that i've had over the years is kind of like coming into play in different ways and it's kind of like just cool to see it work out in a way but it's still also weirdly uncertain and it's like it's my reading that that, like like the indications i'm getting from my readings gonna like is this gonna work out the way i hope it does i don't know we'll fucking see
1: (laughs) it really is strange kind of because you you're getting this reverse kind of what what do they call it? Like the great migration during the industrial revolution. When, I mean, you had a lot of immigrants coming into the country, but you also had a lot of people that were coming from the country and migrating into the cities to work into the factories. But this is kind of the opposite of that. And I think it is, I think you're right. I think it is encouraging, but at the same time, what, what I always kind of thought would happen, and maybe this is a bit Alex Jonesy, but no Corbett kind of talks about this too, where he, I think the future is a technocratic state where and we're seeing we are seeing this now where if this was my first theme was the the religion of scientism and trust the experts where you're going to have a an expert class, a scientific class that rules society. And these scientists and experts are going to dictate policy and shape public opinion. They already are. We're already there. But at the same time, this kind of would connote like a a technocratic class, a class of elites. And you think that the elites, well, they usually live in the urban centers or at least they have traditionally. Um, but yeah, you get that class of elites, but at, and, and they're going to, they're going to get the vaccines first. I don't, that's, that's another Pandora's box maybe, but they're going to be able to get the technology first and all these more modern conveniences. And it seems like the peons are going to be left behind in the dust um, but I don't think that that future doesn't bode well with people moving to the countryside. I, I, I don't know what you what you make of that.
0: I think, like how you said, I think they, I think the propaganda is that the peons will be left to the wayside. But I think the peons are like I was kind of getting at with how like history repeats itself and how in the past when the, the first states were formed, some people ditched and said "fuck this" and they went to actually what would seemingly be less. And kind of in a sense was less ideal locations, but yet they thrived because they didn't have the centralized thing. So it's weird. It's almost like a a twofold thing. I do feel like going forward, the state is actually in a sense kind of getting more powerful, but at the same time, they're becoming more centralized. So I think the key is to I think the key is to place you and your progeny in a spot to where you will not be in those domains of power, because I think it'll be more like centralized, like probably more urban. You know, like it's going to be more like that. So you want to be what they're trying to make out to be the country bumpkins. They're going to be living on the on the outskirts because I actually think they're going to be doing well. And I think history will favor them better than these will because this is not sustainable. It's just this dying animal trying to sustain power and they're just centralizing it. So it appears to be they have more power, but they're having more power over more – over a smaller location, as I think is what's going to happen. It's kind of how it appears to me, at least. Mm-hmm. I could be fucking wrong. I'm just talking out my ass mostly.
1: But- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just trying to think because I, I at least, you know, anecdotally, we have New York City will never be the same. We have people fleeing California. There's lots of urban centers in California. Maybe mm-hmm. what's really going to happen is going to be the the rise of the mid sized city, and now the centralized political powers will just be in these cities that are between 200,000 to a million people but there will be a lot more of them i i don't know i'm i'm also talking out of my ass <laughs>
0: yeah one thought i was having too I was think about it, it's kind of the whole idea of like when it comes to religion and how you kind of just get what you're born into so that's why i was kind of thinking that it's key to make sure that you set up you and your your fucking your kids and their kids or whatever to set themselves up to be in a spot where they are not in those centralized locations of, you know, intensified power of the state, which are going to be the very urban locations, essentially, because right. they will. It's essentially like they're being more. If you say you lived in the urban areas or the areas that they're going to have the mo- more control over, I feel like you're dooming your, you know, your, your fucking, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not your ancestors, but the opposite. Your fucking your kids and their kids to be fucking essentially to be indoctrinated by the state right. essentially, you know, like, and this is not even like a public school thought. Just, I think if you, cause like I said, I think the propaganda going forward is going to be the people who aren't in our, especially come 2030, you know, that's like way down the line. It's going to be, you know, our fucking technocratic, you know, fucking cities or whatever the fuck I think those are going to be, you know, if you're in there, it's almost like it's too late. It's almost like being born in the middle East. Like you're going to be a Muslim. That's just it. Right. It's kind of the same idea as being in those locations. So, and I think there's gonna be more of a divide going forward, and it's almost gonna be it's gonna be more of a two state there's gonna be not two but probably multiple different uh factions within the United States going forward, and it's not even gonna be so much how it was like the civil war before like north and south it's gonna be more like i think it's more me like urban versus rural type deal That's yeah the way I see it so yeah yeah, <laughs> so. We haven't it, even gotten to the meat of this. We're
1: still to be like intro of this. Shit. I know, right, <laughs> right. I, I mean, in terms of like, uh, I don't know. I what I really feel like Jose is like um current events. I we've we've made a list here of current events, but it's like everyone's going to be talking about current events, and we just live through it, you know. But I like this. What we're 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 talking about these themes at least. What
0: yeah, <laughs> I was actually the way it's I kind of like we talked before, I kind of like set up a loose outline, but I kind of just wing it a little bit. Yeah, and this was actually literally like kind of like what I was thinking for the end. But I mean, I'm we can kind of to- move through my general outline, but then kind of just move however the fuck we want. Because
1: like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> okay. this is kind
0: of like we I wanted to end it on a note of like, what are we going forward? But it's kind of no. almost hard not to talk about these things without talking about how does this work out? Because it's also we're- like we're in this weird in-between spot where like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So you kind right. of almost have to be like, it's a little bit of like, you don't even really know where you're at. So you kind of have to, to make it clear verbally to the people you're interp- or putting this out to. You have to kind of talk about where you think it could go and also where it was as opposed to okay. where you're at now. Cause it's kind of like where you're at now, just like, it just almost doesn't even fucking make sense.
1: <laughs> well, again, it's it's so it's so uh emblematic of, of what twenty twenty is. It's like, okay, oh, there's this one thing, oh, and then another thing happened. <laughs> and then this other thing, oh, but it's all interrelated. So yeah. um, we're just jumping, yeah.
0: <laughs> so okay, I think we've we we did good. so let's uh let's jump into the I was gonna broke it down broke it down by certain topics and we've kind of already touched on these a little bit, but I think that probably the top fucking thing was COVID. And uh so I will talk let's talk a little bit about COVID. And also let's uh let's start on lockdowns. It's kinda of like what what how the lockdowns, just general thoughts on lockdowns. We can take this any way you want. I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously we had lockdowns, every area is different. That's gonna be my next point. I kinda of wanna talk about where you're at, where I'm at, and just kinda of how it's and kind of like that'll touch on themes that we had just we're talking about a minute ago about how it's like we've, we're creating different Americas essentially.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Well, we, it's interesting because I think that both of our states—you're in Florida, I'm in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Both of our states had weirdly important roles to play um, in in the whole political lexicon that we've had in the last year, and especially as it as it comes. It, it Florida is a Republican state, right? Do you have a Republican governor?
0: Yeah, we Republican governor. I mean, I know, okay. people always say it's a swing state, so it kind of is, but it's just still mostly just kind of like a Republicanish state. Okay. It's, well, yeah.
1: w- Wisconsin, we, you know, we had Governor Scott Walker who was a Republican. Um, but then Tony Evers won. A lot of people a lot of Republicans didn't like Scott Walker. But Tony Evers, I mean, he's a progressive. He he kind of toes the party line and he he's reacted to the pandemic much like Every progressive, every blue state has, but I think we were important one because there was election fraud that was alleged in our state, which is a whole nother thing. But, um, another one is because our Supreme court and, and some of our political institutions actually did push back and, um, there was a recall effort. I don't know if it went anywhere. Um, however, you know, but, but your state, we did lock down and, you know, there, there still was a mask mandate and, um, there was a lockdown too, of course. Um, but in terms of like your state, Florida opened up a lot more well, a few months ago, right?
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, it never really got like too bad. And like, that was kind of something that was picking up as it went on. Like I was getting, like I said, early on, I got blackpilled big time, but at the same time, it never really got as crazy as I thought it was going to get. But yeah, Florida definitely didn't get as crazy. I mean, we kind of had like, I'm in uh, Hillsborough County, uh, which is like kind of like essentially the Tampa area. Okay. And uh, I mean, I live like 45. 45- I mean, from Tampa, but I'm still in the same county. But yeah. And, um, yeah, they they did like a shutdown. I want to say it was like of a week. It was like basically nothing. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it was fucking weird and kind of freaked me out a little bit. I mean, we never got too crazy. It was still like the way it worked is. Fucking like they, you, yeah, we were in lockdown, but you could basically go wherever. It was more the stores that were, certain stores were shut down. Like it wasn't like you were going to get pulled over for out being out and about and be like, where the fuck are you going? Papers, right? You know, Paper so speed. like, <laughs> yeah, like so. I mean, and I think that's an interesting note to get out of twenty twenty of how, in a weird way, the state kind of flexes muscles, but at the same time, it kind of showed what an ineffectual little bitch it is. So like, I do think that's really right. interesting. So. I mean, it's a little bit of both because it's, it's almost like the state kind of like will selectively fuck with people. But it's almost like this beast that will like is actually kind of a little bitch, but will fuck with things occasionally that it can, you know, just to kind of make itself seem bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but yeah, it's, so it, I got a lot of notes out of that. I mean, I guess that's easy for me being in Florida. but <laughs> like, But yeah, no, it's been pretty chill. I mean, now where I'm at, like, I think technically there are like basically – Man, I'm sure there's some rules. I haven't really paid attention to the fucking details. But basically, yeah, there's almost no rules in Florida, essentially. But the thing is, you know, when you say that, and then now you there's counties, there's cities, there's every place, there's their individual mandates. And so, like, technically, there's still, like, mask rules everywhere in Florida. But the great thing I've noticed in Florida is people are starting to not give a fuck. Like, I mean, the only place I really wear a mask anymore is – Like even at work, they were, they initially were mandating it. Now they don't give a fuck. They just kind of just don't, they're like, wear your mask. And they're like, well, they'll like kind of like send emails and stuff, but they'll never really do anything about it. If you're not, (laughs) it's kind of the idea that has said before. It's like, if you're driving down the road and the speed limit sign says 60, but everybody's driving 80 and nobody gets pulled over. It's like, well, then the speed limit's probably 80. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, it says 60, but that's just, that doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of the same idea in Florida. Like, the only place I really wear it is, I think we're at Publix, which is our, and the only reason I even do that is because where I live is like a big retirement community. And so, if anything, like, that's, it's, if anything, I do it more out of politeness because there are a lot of elderly people. And so, it's kind of like, I know, like, even though I know the science is kind of bullshit, it's kind of like, you know, whatever, I'm not going to freak out a bunch of old people because it's literally a retirement community. So, it's like, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but else i pretty much don't wear it <laughs> so,
1: like, well and that, it that's don't- how how it bludgeons people regular people who aren't like us who aren't anti-authoritarian but just regular folks who aren't either you know they're not order followers and they're not anti-authoritarian they just want to live they don't want to be uncomfortable when they go to the store which is crazy that you know it there's a meme that i saw is that um it was people sitting down at Thanksgiving and they're all wearing hazmat suits and like respirators, and they're like, You're the crazy one. You know, it, it's just like, um I, around here, it's it's a really strange uh, experiment in in the sociology because the there's a mid-sized college town that's very close. And of course, every every business there is mask, and they will actually ask you to leave if you're not wearing a mask. And um just 20 minutes down the road. um, It's a blue collar community and people still will wear like in smaller businesses, people don't care. But if you go to like a grocery store or something, everybody's wearing a mask, but I know the places where I can get away with not doing it. And I I do it there. And then I just don't shop at the places where they make me do it. I got into a few confrontations that I talked about on the show. Um, I just figured it'd be best for me not to, Not to be in that situation anymore. Like I said, it's
0: literally only the large places, like the Walmarts and the big shopping centers that make a thing of it. And even then, I honestly, even like the Publix that I was talking about that I normally go to, I'd be willing to bet. Actually, I think there are a couple of times I just like didn't, out of of habit, forgot to put my mask on because I normally just literally do it just because out of politeness for the elderly there, because I know I don't just want to freak them out. Those fuckers are probably going to die any day anyway, so why freak them out. But, yeah, so, so yeah, I fucking, like, I know it's bullshit, but whatever, I'll do it just for their state of mind. I don't really care. Not a big deal. I mean, I normally, for my work, I have my little gator around my neck anyways, so it's not a big deal. Uh, But, yeah, I I normally just, like, just intentionally, and not that I really even care to wear it, but I intentionally, most places don't wear it. So have been a couple of times I've forgotten and I've gone into publics to grab one thing or another. And I don't even think I, I don't even, maybe I've gotten like a bad look here and there, but even, and that's even in like an elderly community. So like in like in, in a big place, I mean, I, I don't ever go to Walmart cause fuck Walmart. But like, if I did, I bet you they'd bitch. Cause they were the only place that I have gone a couple of times during, especially the heat of the COVID cause that's one of the only place that you could go and like they were fucking assholes about that they were like they were actually being like annoying about being like you know go oh, back away you know because like the whole six feet thing and i was like that like kind of pissed me out like fuck you like right <laughs> i don't know why it's just so weird because it is like a like the whole six feet social distancing thing really fucked me because it just messes with normal social interactions right it's like a mask i feel like is like well i disagree with it you can kind of it's more accommodating than the social distancing because like say you're going to the grocery store and you're like saying to grab something or do this or do that sometimes you just kind of move around people or you have to like some some old person that can has arthritis can is moving at like the the speed of death and so you got to like move around them and it's like it's so damn hard to keep that six feet thing and like places like walmart were like literally being like sir sir
1: I, I've never had I've never had anyone freak out about maintaining social distance with me, but I I got into a fight with someone at at Papa John's. Um, <laughs> the manager came over and asked me to leave the store because I was waiting for my pizza and I didn't have a mask on. And I told him, he he said, um, "Sir, you have to leave the store. It's the law." And I wouldn't have said anything unless he said it's the law because I. I if I was thinking right, I told this on my podcast before, but if I was smarter and like faster on my feet, I had just put in like a nine hour day. So I was like drained. But um, I, I was like, um, I didn't say this, but I was like, it was the Nuremberg defense. And that pissed me off. It was like, I'm doing this because it's the law. And that I said, I don't give a fuck what the law is and then he's like, dude. he's like okay well you can go outside and we'll bring your pizza to the car and it was fucking raining outside and i was like god so and then i at at, uh, the local grocery store there they had one of those mask checkers at the door and I, i went in without a mask on just to see what would happen if i could get away with it and um i think i told her like listen i know that this is your job but uh, you realize that this all this is going to continue until brave people do something about it. And she's like, "Well, sir, we got to keep everyone safe in the store." I was like, "Okay, so you don't you're fucking sheep. You don't have a brain." I was I like mean, this is unreachable.
0: There is something in the private property argument though, but my yeah. thing is like people people take it to one extreme. My thing is like it is kind of a gray area when it comes to the private property argument. Does that mean like say I set a rule in my house and I say, say, for example, I say, you need to take your shoes off when you come in the front door, like, and say somebody doesn't, but I don't address it. And is, who is that on? Is it on me as a property owner? Or is it on them? Even if they clearly knew it was the rule. So a lot of people got on this weird, like spot, like, oh, private property. But for me, I guess it's like, I feel like it's a gray area and I feel like that's on the private property owner. I mean, I guess they can kick me out if they want to. But I feel like a normal human being would it's not necessarily an NAP like an NAP aggression to like continue wearing your shoes. Now, if they then do go, hey, you need to move the shoes or get the fuck out. And if they still don't, then I think it's you're fully within your purview to kick them out. You know what I mean? Right. Like and even even then you don't even have to actually be like, you need to kick them out or get out. You can be like, just be like, get out. But I just feel like a lot of people think that that like breaking the rule is the NAP aggression. I think the NAP aggression would be the you know, if you didn't leave when they told you to or whatever, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, I, I agree. Um, I, I do think there, I, I I agree with the private property argument. I I guess my whole point is, and this is why I got extra pissed off at the Papa John's guy because he, they are sock puppets for the state. They're doing that. They're carrying the state's water. The state, like you said, the state cannot enforce a speed limit of 88 you know, 88 miles an hour. (laughs) They can't enforce a speed limit of 80 miles or, you know, 65. They can't, but they can when all the private business owners enforce it themselves, they're pushing the duty of enforcing this law onto the business owner and the business owners are doing their bidding. They're turning into goons and that's what pisses me off. And uh, that's why I got really mad at Papa John's. I'm just like, (laughs) I feel like a scrub. Um, Wait, yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, I'm assuming you left and they told you to leave. So, I mean, I whatever. Did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. But and, and I think, too, you know, this has been oversaid, but politics, in a way, are downstream of culture. I don't think that's always the case. But we need to express our preference that business owners not go along with this status policy. Um, so that's why I think it's important to push back against it. And so here, here's another this is like a um a very delicate segue but um here here's another thing is that um yeah and it's gone sorry it's gone i'll think <laughs> of it in a second
0: yeah oh i kind of want uh, it's actually a good spot for you to to have a brain fart anyways cuz now i'm remembering something i want to speak about uh, fucking i was on uh, the last Nighter's podcast or actually the actual anarchy where the fuck it's kind of confusing which is which it's confusing
1: but, isn't it? <laughs> but uh gang, you scrubs <laughs>
0: But I was on that yesterday, and Robert was talking about the whole coup dilemma, and he was bringing up, and I thought it was genius. And he was saying how his whole to encapsulate it, He was saying that we are the leaders, and the state are the followers. It's not the other way around. Occasionally, the state will try to lead, but at the other day, if we don't follow, they can't. So, and that kind of reminded me of how the state always works, because well, how it works. And he even brought this up too, was that. Like, say there's a cultural trend. Say, like, the best example I can think of is fucking. Um, I know there's multiple, there's hordes of examples, but the best example I can think of is like child labor. Like, at one, like, for example, fucking the state made, I don't know when they made it illegal, but when they made it illegal, at that point, it was already basically not a thing anymore. And it was just basically on the decline. So it was just like, oh, look at us. We made, made child labor illegal. And because of that, there's no more child labor. And it's like, no, because of you know, capitalism and like, you know, the rising, you know, wealth of the nation, like we have surpassed the need for child labor. <laughs> and it's kind of like, that's the same idea here where it's like, until we start doing shit, nothing's going to change. Because if we just keep being perfect little followers and be like, well, you know, state says we do this, state needs says we do that, then they're going to keep going with it. Like no matter what people have this idea that's going to go back to normal. But until people start being like, and it's not even like great acts of defiance. I'm not saying let's go start a boog. I'm saying just simple shit like when you walk into your grocery store, maybe you don't wear your mask. And then if they ask you to wear your mask, you go, oh, my bad. That simple exchange can like, you know, multiply a million times over by like, you know, that spreading that, that changes things because the next time that person doesn't want to ask or over time just the culture changes where people are like, oops, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot it becomes this afterthought of like these stupid things. Oh, whatever. I'll fucking do it and make you feel good. And it's kind of, and then that point, what will happen is predictably the state, once the culture changes, the state will stop and be like, Oh, well now we fixed COVID and you know, you don't got to do that anymore and act like they were going to do it all along. And it's, it's, that's kind of the idea that's like, if we just sit on our asses waiting for the government to do something, but it's not going to happen. We're the leaders. They're the followers. You know what I mean? Like every time, every now and then they try to lead, but even then they're not really leading. They're trying to prevent the illusion of leading. You know what I
1: mean? That sounds like something Daniel would say. It was Robert. <laughs> oh, was it Robert? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Daniel that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I think at some point devil's advocate position here, if one or 2% of people, yeah, I saw this happening where uh, did you notice how the term Karen switched? How it used to refer to someone who was a snitch And now it refers to someone who won't go along with with the the mandate, and then went away. um, It's crazy. And what I was thinking is that um, on some level, it really, really, it might backfire to be the one or two percent of people who don't wear a mask in stores because it doesn't it doesn't make people change their mind. It doesn't. Sometimes it's like. Okay, so when I'm in a store and I see a person or two not wearing a mask, I take mine off. (laughs) I see nothing happening. I take it off. I'm like, fuck you, people. But um, if you get in a situation where you're making all of the employees pissed off at you because you're not, you, you know, maybe they don't like the mask order themselves, but it's their job to enforce it. Then you're not really helping the case. Devil's advocate. You know, you're not really helping the culture.
0: I mean, yes and no, but because, like, I think you're right in a sense. But it, it's it's a matter of tact. I think a lot of people, especially, like, us, I'm, an, I'm like, an ANCAP agorist type, so I kind of – I'm not a fan of centrism. So, like, I know a lot of people – but in a lot of ways in life, it is about having a balance, especially when it comes to tactics. So now, like, if – that's why I said before, like, just fucking a simple act of, you know, not wearing it. And when they're like, oh, sir, you need to wear it, oh, okay. You know, like, don't be a fucking dick. Like I mean, I understand your thing. <laughs> like whatever, it
1: happens. Okay, but fuck I, you to the have a job. <laughs> but I think gen-
0: generally speaking, if you're just amiable and go, oh okay. I mean, maybe yeah. you throw in a sideways comment and not even in a passive aggressive way. I just go, oh, oh my bad. I I just these things are so silly sometimes. I just forget or right. something like that. If you just say it like that or or just don't say anything. I just think over time, just a simple act of them having to remind you in their head is then making them go oh, fuck this is so dumb <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. they have, they have, especially if, especially if you're amiable and you just go, Oh my bad. I'm sorry. You know, like I didn't see the sign at the front or whatever, you know, like, I mean, I don't even say anything, but like, oops, my bad, you know, like, you know I mean, I I don't, I'm not one who really gives a shit about lying. I'm very like sterner in that way. And that's like, whatever, yeah. if you got to lie, lie, I don't give a shit. But <laughs> I,
1: I think that's a good point though. I, you know, people who are more friendly are more, um, they're more persuasive, you know, and, and maybe if, if you, you don't have to make it a confrontation, you can make it a situation where you spark a dialogue and you can really level with someone and connect with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just all sunshine and unicorn rainbows. Um, yeah. I, I think
0: there is something to that. Just the, the power of the simple yeah. interaction. Like even if you don't spark a dialogue, even if you just go simply, even simple as just, Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. Even just that you have caused them to have to exert energy to address you not wearing a mask and you are perfectly amiable about it. And for them, that's going to make them even just a tiny little spark in their head. Like, um, well, it wasn't even really that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like it makes them being look, feel like kind of fucking an idiot essentially being like, why am I doing this? Right. And so like, just even that simple, like maybe they may not click for them eventually, but especially once you compound that by, if you're doing that, I guarantee you you're probably not the only one they have to deal with in that day. And especially if it's more people that aren't being an asshole about it. I mean, it's one thing if they're an asshole about it, then like, I mean, if you come out with me some shitty energy, I'm probably going to come back at you with shitty energy, but right. if you're being perfectly polite and you're like, sir, you can't wear that. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. But if you're like, sir, sir. I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> sir, sir. I, I do think though that there's a, there's a certain segment of the population that are like the, they're the um, Mark Passio has a great, thing i can't it's something that he did a presentation about the occult i'm not sure order followers in the occult i'm not sure if you know mark passio
0: I the Um, name rings a bell i'm sure later i'll look like oh shit that's him
1: so (laughs) i mean for my listener i don't talk about him too much on the show uh but for you and for my listeners and maybe your listeners who don't know him he used to be a um a priest in the church of satan and (laughs) he turned into a voluntarist And he he goes around. uh, He talks about natural law and does these seminars. But he he has he has this delivery style where he will vocally, like sit you in a chair, slap you in the face, and yell at you. It's (laughs) great. Um, But he's like, no, this is how it really is. Like they really are satanic elites, and the Church of Satan is where they recruit people um, for higher levels, and they they're sworn to each other by these acts. Of you know they get dirt on each other. Anyways, he I'll put a link in the show notes page in in my show. Um, I, I don't want to get too far about it, but he he talks about it in the seminar about order followers. And there is a certain segment of the population. Of course, we know this being anarchists, they drift towards positions of power in politics. But there is a class of people who are psychopaths. There is a class of people who get off on ordering other people around, and there is a class of people who it, they, they gain energy by confronting people. It's not that they lose energy, you know, it's they're worn out by it. I think it's the same way introverts and extroverts. Well, there's people who thrive on confrontation and people who don't.
0: Yeah. I think it's about striking a balance though. Cause there are people, like you said, that strive on confrontation, but it is, I think it's a very much, a. I don't know, it's almost like you have to learn how to play these power games where like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I prefer not to, but if someone comes at me with a certain type of energy, I'm probably going to come back at you with the same type of fucking energy and I'm right. probably going to be better at it. So it is <laughs> about just tactically being ready to be like, no, fuck you. Like, what is your deal? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on the situation. But, yeah, I get what you're saying, how there are people come at you with a different energy and they, they thrive on the conflict. So you would think that that wouldn't work. But I actually think in that situation, if you can control yourself well – and be the what seemingly is the victor, maybe you may not shift their thinking at all, but I guarantee you if they're coming at you as shitty, you know, energy and you're coming off as you know being the um reasonable one to the onlookers, you're probably gonna create a better to better I mean and even then to them, especially if you can outclass them at their own game, <laughs> yeah, to them, yeah. it's gonna fuck with their head a little bit, like ah, oh, god damn
1: it. <laughs> um- uh, and to that point, too, you you know how we fashion ourselves to be these anti-authoritarian um, against the grains, uh, individualist type people. I think that in a way, this last year was a real litmus test about what kind of person you are. I mean, do we sit here and do we, you know, wax on about the state and speak out against it? I mean, you listening at home, listening to this. We're, we're on the podcast talking about it publicly, um, but you at home, do you, do you practice what you preach? This is the ultimate test. Do you go out there and in the face of, um, you know, everyone likes to think that they're going to be the guy in that picture of the, at the Nazi rally where everyone else is Zeke Heilung, but he's standing there with his arms crossed disapprovingly. Everyone wants to think that they're going to be that person. But this year, you really fucking found out whether or not you're that person. Did you do anything? And I mean, I've done things where I've gone into stores, but to be completely honest, I i mean, my employers, I just, I go with the flow. Maybe that's just because I'm smart, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to, I know where to pick my battles.
0: I, I do but, think, yeah. I mean, that was one point I was to touch on, like, it's not necessarily, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'd be that fucking guy. But there's also the question of like, why, why be that guy? Like, I, I mean, I don't know what happened in that specific situation, but for all we know, that guy could have gotten taken out back and shot. Was that really fucking worth it? Was that tactically in any way a benefit? If anything, you just provide an example of why they shouldn't fucking, you know. And that's kind of the whole idea of agorism, you know, that I've kind of gone to more this year where it's like, you kind of got to know, you got to kind of intelligently weigh your options. And it's like, do you, do you SIG Heil here or do you not? I mean, it's like, if you're in a situation where you feel like you could not SIG Heil and, you know be the better for it or, or have very little recourse, then yeah, fuck. Yeah. You know, say, fuck you to the state in that situation. But if you're in a situation where it's going to cause more damage to you than the benefit you're going to receive from it, you're kind of a fucking idiot. Not to seek Kyle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like- well, I mean, but at the same time though, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> yes, if you're in that situation and you're the only person not seek highly, but what if, what if 30% of the people around you are thinking the same thing as you? This is kind of the voting argument, though, is like, oh, well, you know, if 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 all the libertarians in the United States thought that, oh, well, I shouldn't vote because it doesn't matter anyway, statistically, then you're missing, I don't know, four or eight million votes. Um, but if everyone in that crowd, um, you know, if there were 30 percent of the people that were thinking about Nazi highling, uh, but they didn't do it because they thought that way, you know. Are you? I hope you're following me.
0: I, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying R- that there's the it. like oh they're the remnant in there, but it, right. I think it, it's 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 not always easy, and a lot and a lot of times we like to boil things down to simple propositions like the NAP. Like am I am I aggressing against you or are you not? But sometimes it's a matter of tactics, and it's just a matter of like you got to you know when no one to hold them, no one to fold them type deal. Right. And, and a lot of times it is just that like for example in that seek Heil, I actually. Like, especially after reading like Sterner and like some other characters, like I've kind of come to the conclusion of like, you know, morals are kind of this overrated thing. So it's like, to some extent, you kind of got to look out for yourself. And then that kind of compounds when everyone's looking out for themselves. It's kind of the whole Randian and Sterner idea of like, when everyone's individually looking out for themselves, it's kind of high, really, it's the idea of anarchy in general, you know, that when you compound that all together, it actually works out for the greater good it's the the funny thing that iron the irony of it all is the greater good argument actually ends up working out for the greater bad you know when people say the greater good it usually does not end up working out for the greater good <laughs> so but when people are looking out for individuals and then they're in their circles of influence or whatever then it generally works out better uh but yeah the point I'm getting at is like fucking, yeah it's like I, I don't know it's kind of like sometimes you're just an idiot to do some shit like and it's not as simple as just like that's bad and that's good sometimes it's there's far more that goes into it which is why it's very important to be a to be a i don't know a a smart individual essentially to be to and i guess that's not the greatest you know fucking so the greatest message for the masses because the masses are fucking idiots so like but as individuals you really need to I mean, one of my prime like things I've always said and I always said to my kids is strong body, strong, uh, strong mind, you know, strong person. So it's like you need to be strong in every way you can. So that way it's just like and that's one of them. It's like because there is so much to when it comes to just simple shit like that. Like it's like game theory. It's fucking, you know, it's morals. It's. It's all sorts of things. It's it's uh, it's not as simple as just, well, that's bad and that's good. And I think a lot of times, especially like where I said with like Sterner and morals, you bore it down to morals. And sometimes that just restricts you to a point where you're just like, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's kind of the idea of like, you probably respect like one thing Sterner went to and I thought was really smart. And it's like how we swear an oath when we go up on, uh, go up on a uh, to fucking when we go in court or whatever. And it's kind of like, so Sterner's point was kind of like, so fucking what? Like, really, you would fuck yourself over for, for what? Some words? <laughs> like, <Right>. Why?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I see this all the time where, um, you know, for instance, I mean, just this week, I had a client. One of my clients was deposed yesterday. And the, the this idea of perjury, you, you swear to tell the truth. But the, the truth can be so obfuscated by what the question is. I mean, depending on how you interpret a question, your answer could be a lie. <laughs> I, I guess it's not okay. You shouldn't knowingly perjure. Um, but well, I but don't even th- care.
0: I actually say you should if it if it benefits you. Right, <laughs> but that's just my perspective. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not going to knowingly fucking condemn myself, especially to the state.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean you you have the you have your Fifth Amendment right for that reason. But, but no, yeah. here for instance, a direct. Uh, a direct example of this is my client was asked, um, did you speak to anyone else about the crash other than those people who were directly involved was kind of the question. And it was a bad question because how do you find direct involvement? How do you define direct involvement? <laughs> if <laughs> And if you don't answer that question completely, well, he could cross-examine you during trial and say, oh, she didn't mention emailing this one person, so she's lying. She's a liar. Why didn't you say that during your deposition? Well, the answer is because I didn't understand your fucking question. You know, is that perjury? Is the, Are you lying in that situation? It, right. It, essentially, you're right. There's no black and white in that situation. It's yeah. it shades.
0: It is it is funny because, like, being us as anarchists, I do feel like we have a tendency to boil things down to black and white. At the same time, you have to realize not everything is black and white, especially when it comes to stuff like that. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it, I mean, when it comes to, like, what is permissible, like, we, we, we go with the NAP, you know, like, what justifies violence in return is what the NAP is. But for the most part, damn near everything else is fucking gray. And even then with the NAP, there's still all sorts of loads of shitload of gray because it's, like, you know, say someone does break, uh, break the NAP against you. Do you really have carte blanche to just fucking, you know, just cut their head off? Like, mm-hmm. not really. I mean, you kind of got to respond proportionally. Like, for example, a good example of this is uh, the, I mean, it's silly, but the sweet tea thing or the twisted tea meme going around. I don't, know I don't even know video. what that's
1: about. I'm, <laughs> it's, I've been buried in work the last few days. But when you did that it out. out? It's
0: actually pretty hilarious. But there's this guy, it's just this convenience store thing. And this guy, this, this like white dude is like, keeps calling this one guy the N word, but he's like saying with it to be fair. He's saying it like with an A. So he's not like saying it in that, but he's like, you know, people joke saying he thought he had a hood pass, but, (laughs) but he kept being like, he was being really belligerent and be like, hit me, hit me. And like was trying to get him to hit him. And then he, at one point the guy dropped his, his twisted T or whatever. And then the guy kicked his hand, not hard, almost like a little bit between aggressive and playful somewhere in between there. And then that's when the guy just wham, just smacked him in the face of the twisted T. And twisted uh, tea. so technically you can look at it multiple ways and where the white guy uh, aggressed against him by kicking him, even though it wasn't a very hard kick it was almost like this weird, like somewhere between aggression and playful. Uh, the guy was clearly like drunk or high or something. And then, so there's that where he technically aggressed against the black guy and then the black guy just then, like, there's probably a case to be made that like even under NAP he he responded disproportionately because <laughs> <laughs> like, he just wailed yeah. the fuck out of him yeah. and he beat the shit out of him. And I mean, I say I want to say he beat the shit out of him. He he then like kind of held him down and punched him a bunch until the guy kind of like subdued him and was like, all right, all right, all right. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then also there's a case to be made too that he fucking because he said hit me, hit me, hit me. There's like that's consent. You know, the whole. Yeah, it's a consent. It's kind of the whole like dual thing. I mean, obviously, he was kind right. of be a smart much, ass. So it's like, really, really consent. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I think um, not to go down a rabbit hole here. I mean, th- this is my shtick, I guess, is that that's why you need a common law court system where courts, uh, they, they have the, the NAP as a, as a guidepost. But what they do is they take a look at specific individual cases and they determine, um, you know, exactly what the NAP means in that context. And then you have a body of a string of decisions um, where things are interpreted a certain way. And that's also the the beauty of having a jury. And Lysander Spooner talked about this a lot in Trial by Jury, uh, which I, I did an episode about that on, on Liberty Weekly. I'll put it in the show notes page, just making work for myself here. But. <laughs> Uh, a jury is basically, you know, being they have a more subject, a subjective localized interpretation of what things mean. So that that's why, you know, people employ our Western system employs a jury like that. Um, but anyways, let get off my soapbox.
0: <laughs> it's actually funny. You were mentioning uh, jury. And in my immediate thought, we were just talking about the twisted T meme. And it completely brought it back to like you were talking about the jury and just reminded me of a whole other modern day, you know not necessarily a meme. It just remind me how like, uh, you know, the whole meme going around of like among us and how it like proved that jury system is flawed. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect system.
0: Yeah. For I sure. mean,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, but that's, that's the thing too, is people accuse anarchists of being uh, utopians, but it's like, we're not even saying, we're not even necessarily utopians. We're just, this is preferable. So that, that's really the idea is like the idea of like, in Kapistan is preferable to the state. And so we would still have court systems and they wouldn't be perfect either, but it'd be preferable. And it would ideally be situated in a system of voluntarism to where, you know, every interaction was voluntary. So
1: this (laughs) is is my idea is having a class of professional jurors who would, (laughs) it would be free agents that litigants would choose to have them sit on the jury and be the finder of fact. And if, if, a jury was accused of of uh, jury professional juror was being accused of anything. Well, then they'd lose business. You know, it, it's that free market system for anyways, I, I should expound upon that in one of these episodes I'd have Kinsella on. And he'd tell me why I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> I mean, he has one of those things that were like, I feel like people too often. Whenever you're like, "Oh, in Kapistan, I'm an anarchist, and they're like, "Well, how would this work or how would that work?" It's like, yeah, I don't fucking know. It, it's like, how does a fucking computer work? I don't fucking know. But the free market you know? <laughs> makes it happen, and they've, you know the system that you know is more conducive to the masses or whatever the fuck or works the best is more efficient is generally what ends up you know winning out and even that not necessarily winning out there usually is multiple options there's a here's your affordable you know computer here's your streaming computer here's your right. gaming computer so it's like i mean the free market generally works out it's more just a, a conglomerate of everyone's ideas coming together whereas instead of just I don't know. It's like, why are you expecting me just to have the idea? Like, which I, I guess I kind of understand in a sense. Cause it's kind of like, you want to upend all of this. And it's like, so, but you have no yeah. solution and you're just like, well, it's fucking the invisible hand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how, is, how would, how would shoes be made if not for the government monopolizing the shoe industry?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Shit. We are fucking, this may end up being a two parter. We had to find some time. to use, like, a part. Uh, It's, no, it's to-
1: all right, man.
0: Wait, let's touch on stimuluses What are your thoughts on stimulus? Let's go down that road. We're still on. I had four main topics, and I thought I didn't have enough. We're still on the first one.
1: I know, right? <laughs> no, I think it's good because I, I really enjoy the episodes. Even if we go off on rabbit holes, it's such organic conversation. Um, yeah. Stimulus. So specifically with stimulus. Um, Walter Block made a decent argument as he often does. And one that's controversial, but when this was all starting out and I think Bob Murphy said this too, so not an original thought, but if you are going to take away someone's right to work, you better compensate them for it. There's a libertarian argument to be made that if you're going to forcibly prevent me from working, then you should compensate me for it. It's kind of like the takings clause, uh, in a certain way of the constitution, um, But then again, you're stealing from everyone else or debasing the currency and making their money in their pocket worth less in order to um, compensate this person for not working. So I there's there's an argument to be made there. I I was talking with the same person this morning at work about this, saying that, okay, and I said this, I think I just said this on the show. The stimulus comes and it's two thousand dollars, but you and your children are indebted. $20,000 more per person on the national debt. Um, And, and, oh, we're going to print away the deficit until it doesn't matter. That was another one of my... I I put in my themes universal basic income test run, which I think this is the direct payments is, um, and also deficits don't matter. We've been saying that for years and years, but the national debt went up by, what, $3 trillion this year, something like that. At some point, The roosters are going to come home to roost. I think that's the saying. And people (laughs) are going to see that the emperor has no clothes and the dollar is going to become worthless. And at that point, are they going to usher in something else? I think it's part of the, the global paradigm shift.
0: Yeah, I'm not an economic genius, but I have noticed that when they do these stimulus packages, a lot of the and also even before this, they were printing money like gangbusters before we even had the the COVID or all the fucking the stock market craziness, a lot of the money was going to stocks. So that's like the big thing. It seems to be where they're like, we need to put money in stocks and you put money in stocks, which is for one, it's multi-pronged. It's like, obviously like you, I feel like this creates this artificial thing that makes us a society feel like they're doing better than they are when you have a good stock market. But then also the same time, it's you can hide so much money in the stock market. So it's like, if you're going to print money, a good place to place it is the stock market because it's kind of just there. And you're also creating, you're creating confidence in the stock market as you're printing more money in the stock market. So thus making more people buy into the stock market, but it's this whole house of cards. So it's just a matter of like, when does the fucking, you know, the one card fall? And it's like, so now we have, cause like people, we, the big concern was hyperinflation, but it's like. For one, I mean, obviously, was, uh, there's a lot of like overseas, and there's also a lot in the stocks, to where it's like they put so much in stocks, so so much of that money is just hidden in stocks, to so where it's like, but at some point, I like, like I don't know when, at some point that that liquidity or that like liquidity is going to get released and come into the market, and it's going to affect prices. I mean, it's already has. I mean, I mean, not a ton, but I mean, I know I noticed from like grocery shopping and shit, shit's gone up a little bit. I mean, I feel like everything's gone up a little bit. You know, but it's not at all what I thought it was gonna be. I was super concerned about hyperinflation when all this is going on. And I still kinda of am, but it's like I, I don't know. Also, uh God, what did I want to touch on? There's something you said earlier that I'm now I'm kinda drawing a blank on what it was. There was some po- <laughs> all right, whatever. <laughs> you got anything to go on? Maybe it'll come back to me in a I minute. I think it's a,
1: it's eleven o'clock where you're at, isn't it? The the clock yeah. just changed. So well, um I mean I think At some point, this is the thing with the Austrians is that you can't really say you can say what the end result of a given policy must be. And I think all the Austrians are really seem like they are surprised that the show has gone on this long. And I think there's something to be said when it comes to the purchasing power. And of course, I'm just an armchair economist, um, but there's something to be said that, you know, relative to the other currencies of the world, the dollar is still very strong, I think. That's the case. Um, and, and it seems like, well, I don't know. And it, the dollar is strong compared to what? Is it strong compared to other currencies? Is it strong compared to goods and services? I guess at the end of the day, that's really what matters. Um, yeah, and even
0: then, that all that's a house of cards as well because that is we are the reserve co- uh, currency kinds. Of, we're the big dick swinging in the room. We're the ones who go in and fuck over all these other nations. We come in, we rebuild the nation, and we go okay. Well, now you have to buy your gas in fucking U.S. dollars or whatever, yeah. or you have to buy this. And so it's like we create this artificial usage of the dollar, and it's it's this like the whole empire game. Really, in a nutshell, right. is like we're trying to maintain our dominance at some point it's going to thin out you can't do it forever it's just like you can only play this house of guards cards to a certain point right. um fuck the, I, now i remember the point i was getting at too where you were yeah. kind of getting at how like uh how you know it's like we got to recompense these people a recompense or oh, the fuck you say it but you got to give these people back their money and i completely agree like in a fair system you get these people money but if anything you're actually fucking these people over more because like, for example, this one's a good example, is $600 stimulus we're getting. I don't remember the overall, like I think I broke it down as like, uh, I did the math initially when I don't, I mean, I don't know if the numbers have changed because I think they probably have like altered it since then. But essentially $600 is like, I think less than 25% of the thing. So the right. other 75% is just going to, I don't fucking know, probably like the stocks, big businesses, just uh-huh. that. So it kind of actually kind of plays into the lefties fucking game of how they're like this, you know, inequality or whatever. And that's legit. They are creating inequality. They are essentially trapping parts of the – they're like essentially capping off one side of the economics or the economic uh, class or whatever to be – have more of this money. So you think, cool, I'm getting 600 bucks. But it's like, yeah, but it's kind of a disadvantage in a sense because you're getting 600 bucks – but they're increasing the money supply and then giving more of the money to the higher class. Right. So there is, kind of, there is some truth to what the lefties say there. And it's, but it's like, yeah, because when you print the money and you give more of it to the upper class, you're trapping money up there, which isn't going to you. Eventually, it will, you know, you know, people always tease, trickle down economics. There is some truth to it. Eventually, that money will trickle down. Right. But if you had just given out evenly, that never would have been an issue.
1: <laughs> like, there, there's some question about, I don't know if it was Mises or Rothbard who said that I think it was Rothbard in his um, one of the first books that I read um, this idea that when you, when you're giving helicopter money and you're giving it to wall street, they get to enjoy the higher dollar value that, you know, the the, um, the relative inflation hits. right before the inflation hits, which is interesting though, because we are getting direct payments Directly to citizens. So maybe we're going to enjoy the high purchasing power before inflation hits, but it, it's almost like Weimar Republic where you have the wheelbarrow full of cash and you get it from the bank in the morning and you have to take it right to the bakery because if you don't, the wheelbarrow will not buy the bread anymore. Yeah,
0: but if you give, say you give 500 bucks to the peasants, but you give 1500 bucks to the big dogs each, yeah. you know, not, that's not as in a perfect uh, breakdown of how it works. And yes, you do have the initial purchasing power, but they have more money with which to use the initial purchasing power before the, the dollar is devalued. So it actually will still in the end benefits them more yeah, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it does mitigate it a little bit. If anything, it just kind of gives them that like credence of like, look, we gave you money. So, but it's like, no, you really, it looks like you gave us money, but you actually fucked us over. So it's like you sort of, but in the long run, you're actually screwing me over even more. Mm-hmm. So, like, y- yes, it, it's not really. And I guess I know people are like, oh, well, like, if it was, say they did genuinely just give 600 bucks to every citizen or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. and that would, then that would be okay. That's fair. Yes, I get it. You're going to have to, this is something they're printing money and you're going to have to pay interest for later, whatever. I guess ideally in a perfect world, we're well, not even a perfect world. It's still not even perfect. They would just like, not tax you or give you back your taxes or whatever the fuck. And, you know, cause then you don't even have to worry about that whole like loan thing, you know, cause it's like, you're basically getting on loan from the federal reserve. But in that situation, at least it's fair. Yes, you're getting 600 bucks, but you're essentially taking out a $600 loan in a time you need it with a certain percentage on it. Essentially is basically what it is. Whereas now we're essentially taking out, I don't know, just quick and fast math. I don't know. We'll, we'll say you're getting 500 bucks, but you're taking out a $2,000 loan with interest on it. It's not a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? You're right. getting fucked over more than you were back from way yeah, I more. Mean, at I'm least so you can justify gu- the time preference, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Sorry. Well, I'm so no, no, I, I'm just, I'm so guilty of it too, because I'm like, hmm, now what kind of ammo am I going to get with this? <laughs> or, you know, am I, am I going to upgrade my PC or what am I going to do with this money? Am I going to save it or buy Bitcoin or what?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm not advocating turning away the money. That's retarded. But I no, mean, overall, like, I mean. <laughs>
1: don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not either. But at the same time, I'm like, ooh, anticipating it. Like, oh, 2,000 bucks. huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't think it's smart, but I'm at the point where I kind of don't fucking care. I'm kind of, a, in a sense, a little bit kind of collapsitarian because I have a 10-year-old and I have an 8-year-old. I'm kind of almost like, part of me is like, print that money, baby. Fucking print, print, print. Print, print, print. Because I'm like, if anything, I want them to overdo it. I want them to collapse like a motherfucker. Like I want this bitch to go down. And the only reason is for me, I guess it's kind of selfish because it's like – I mean not necessarily that I'm in a perfect position to endure a collapse, but I have children. And the way I see it now is it's more likely going to impact them as young adults. So if anything, I'd be like fucking just go wild. I'd rather this fucking – whole goddamn experiment implode before they have to deal with it so i mean it's a little bit selfish if i didn't have children i probably wouldn't have that perspective that's just me for me i'm like i understand the economic how it's shitty but it's kind of almost this inevitability in my mind i'm like just fucking do it yep fucking print away give me money let's do it and i'm gonna fucking you know, do smart shit with that money to, you know, make sure I'm set. (laughs) So, I
1: I do worry about like this, this concept of, it's kind of like an occult concept of order out of chaos. And I I'm wondering if it it seems that things have gotten so cartoonish that it's almost on purpose, you know? This
0: 600 bucks was like, I couldn't believe like 600 bucks. Like if real, like this is like your, Kind of almost spitting in their in people's face
1: it's
0: like what what is that that's like for your normal family that's like a little bit more than their one month of their two car they're like their car payments because like in a two-car family so it's like yeah. i mean don't get me wrong i guess that doesn't really apply because you know you each get 600 bucks and it's like i think you get money for your kids or whatever but still it's like nothing especially like i mean Especially in most states where it's like they've been shut down. Like, what what does this do? I mean, I don't know what the deal is with like rent and mortgage. I've been paying my mortgage through all this, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm assuming if I want to, I probably could apply for some sort of program for mortgage forgiveness. I don't know what the deal is with all that right now. But even then, still it's like it's just that's like six hundred bucks is fucking nothing in my that's like a third like here in Tampa, like your normal rent for most places is probably gonna be like I don't know, fifteen hundred bucks ish. So, it's yeah. not even 50% of your rent. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> my mortgage is like $850 a month. Can you believe yeah.
0: that? Yeah, I mean, you're in the Midwest, but like, That's so true. yeah, I mean, for, but even then, it doesn't cover your rent. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. One course. month. <laughs> so, yeah. like, how long has this been? How long has it been since the last stimulus? And how long has it been shut down? The idea is that it's like this is supposed to help get through this. And it's like a lot of people just haven't been working. So, it's like, what do you, what are these people doing? Like I just, I'm really surprised. Like I was a little bit like at the beginning of the year, I was more of like a boog boy in a sense. I've kind of like shifted my thinking. I mean, I wasn't like one that's like 1776, like well, more like an ahead. ANCAP boog boy where like, I just saw as an inevitability. Yeah. So like, let's fucking do it.
1: <laughs> just so get it over with.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. now I'm not about that. I could see, I, I prefer like a peaceful one. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, the boog is becoming more and more like, just like a joke. Like that's not going to fucking happen.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think when when the Boog Boys largely came out in support of Black Lives Matter is really when I kind of set that aside. Um, Because, I I mean, I I don't know how you can support um, people who are burning down business. There was one point, uh, maybe a couple instances, where at least in Minneapolis, they burned down the police department. Um, But other than that, I, I couldn't really get behind that.
0: Ooh, that was one I want to get into because uh, yeah. we're probably gonna have to cut it, sh- cut it short here in a bit, and maybe we can see if we can schedule something. We may have to like pretend like it's still 2020 and do it in 2021. We can do
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I did want to get into that because I kind of fell victim to that I was still a little bit in that big boy mentality. I kind of wasn't entirely when that shit was popping off. But there was, to be fair, my thinking whenever that first all the riots and stuff kicked off. Initially, there was this energy. Initially of fuck the state and there was this weird there was this small moment of time where there's this weird unity between like the blm types and like some of the liberty types where they're like yeah these guys are fucking you over fuck them but then somehow that energy got twisted into like fuck the bourgeoisie (laughs) (laughs) they were burning down police stations i was like fuck yes
1: (laughs) i I don't want to say that was by design i always like I don't know. I'm such a conspiracy theorist, but it's like, you know, was that by design? Did this happen on purpose? And I maybe this is a good theme to end on. But I remember so many different opinion changes and shifts as different things were presented. It was a whirlwind about how I changed my mind as I learned more about this and thought more about it. And I I, yeah, I, I can't say I disagree with your take on, you know, when when these riots first started it seemed like it was something that could pop off into something that could be anti-state. But then it just, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it went a different way. And I feel like the big thing for like the Liberty community or whatever you want to call it was that jumping off point, because a lot of people had already kind of, in a sense made their bed and it was like, you didn't want to have this dirty face of being like, nah, nah, fuck this. And like, I, I, I guess it was more about a, of drawing the line, and I feel like a lot of people didn't have those consistent principles of like where they drew the line, and so they stuck around and being like, yeah, and they found a million different ways to justify what they were doing, and then like they just found themselves doing mental gymnastics to justify it, like, oh well, you know, these guys have insurance or fucking or oh, oh these that's that's the fucking that's the movement, not the uh not the or, or whatever, you know, what I mean, like people found ways to justify it in so many different ways. Like, oh, well, BLM the movement or BLM the fucking, you know, organization. And it's like, at some point it's like, and dude, like, I, it's so silly too. Cause it was this, it was also hard for us Liberty types. Cause it was like this weird thing where like, oh, are you racist? It's like, no, I just don't like fucking, I don't support, you know, aggression against people who haven't aggressed against anyone. It's as simple as that. I mean, but now the state, I mean, like, I'm not saying go burn down your police station, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like if you do, I mean, okay.
1: (laughs) I I mean, I will say I did get excited at the prospect of rooftop Asian type situation (laughs) or, you know, like the LA riots. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, I I will say I do disagree with they. I don't disagree with Dave Smith often, but I do disagree because he he said that oh well the riots weren't about um, they weren't about Black Lives Matter and they weren't about George Floyd and police brutality they were about people being cooped up having no hope and being locked up you know I, I don't know if I disagree with that I think that it I don't know if I agree with it I do think that um, you know maybe being locked up had something to do with kindling for the situation but I truly do believe that a lot of the people that were out there we're just playing criminals and they like to do that kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of them, a lot of them really were pissed off about police brutality or both perceived yeah. institutional racism.
0: I think it was both. I don't think that would have ever manifested the way it did if it wasn't for the current situation. So I get what you're saying. And I do think, it was because of it, but I think there were more people paying attention, more people in a situation where they felt like they had nothing to lose. And so they're like, fuck these people fucking me over right now. You know, like, cause they identified, they identified some sort of enemy. The issue was, do we identify the enemy as a state? Do we identify the enemy as the upper class? It was just weird, like not this clear enemy. And they, they were looking for something to rage against and what they chose to rage against was not what needed to be raged against. If if anything, they created the, the fucking, uh, what's the word I'm for? They created, they essentially created it, it allowed the state to grow in a lot of ways. So, cause I mean, they just let the essentially most places is the, the police just stood by and just fucking, I mean, initially there were, there were some like police were like, Holy fuck. Cause they weren't expecting it. But then after they got wise to it, most, most police stations stuff were just like chilling out, just fucking just got away from it. Let them burn the fucking city down and then be like, we need a bigger budget. Like at this right. shit. <laughs> I mean,
1: can, can you believe the audacity of it? Yeah. I mean, I, it, Cops enforce the lockdowns and then they're, they're doing exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. According to the status, like uh, starry eyed view of what the police are. And then when they're, when they're called upon to do like, exactly what they're supposed to be doing which is protecting private property they stand by and they're like oh i I guess we can't prevent this we're not going to do anything about this it's just infuriating
0: (laughs) yeah i think we're at a good point to stop i'm almost almost an hour and a half (laughs) yeah we have at least one or two more episodes here so i think at least one of these we're just going to pretend it's still 2020 uh because i i don't i don't know how it's going to work we got like a quarter of the way into the shit i want to do and i thought we didn't have enough so I'm kind of glad this worked out this way. It was, but uh, yeah, Um, you want to drop whatever plugs you got right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the video well, description as well. Check me out at, uh, yeah, put it in the description and then I'll put it in my show notes page because we'll cross post this uh, libertyweekly.net. Um, if you want to join me on Discord or Substack, I do forward slash Discord Substack. I think Twitter, all the platforms should be like quick linked there. So check me out. Uh, that should be the gateway for everything Liberty Weekly.
0: Okay, cool. For me, I mean, I I'm not, like with me, it's always in the video description, but obviously we've got the YouTube channel that I'm on right now. I normally, I usually, most of my content goes up in the Liberty Movement, but I'm starting to diversify and I'm going to do a little bit more political stuff. I'm probably still going to do most of my stuff. It's still going to be the Liberty Movement, but I'm going to have some stuff here. So if you're interested in that stuff as well, pop on this channel, give it a sub. I also on basically every podio uh, podcatcher available um so i mean that's all gonna be the description all the individual links for each one uh, the liberty movement's also got a bit shoot so if you want to go to a bit shoot and follow me there uh, at some point i'll figure out library or some shit um yeah all all it's is gonna be a video description so like share subscribe all that good shit um looks like we're gonna have some more here so this is this has been fun it's been really great Fucking shooting the shit. This went a lot of different ways. I didn't think it would go. Yeah. So right. I was worried we weren't gonna have enough content, but we had like we got through like one out of four of my points.
1: <laughs> well, I think so. it's great because I, I think we we tackled a lot of things that people are talking about in their their New Year's episode, but we talked about it from a different angle. And there's a lot of stuff we talked about that other people haven't talked about. So I think yeah. that's great.
0: Yeah. So all right with that, yeah, I'm gonna deuce out. Uh, we'll try to. I guess we'll try to figure out a time to schedule it. I'm a pretty busy guy, so we'll—I don't know—when I'll get to you. But either way, it'll be fun. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, <laughs> yeah. I don't know brother. when you're going to be posting it. Oh. Sorry, you cut out there.
1: What'd you say? Oh, sorry. It was great to meet your brother.
0: Oh, it was great. Yeah. Like, like I said, I wanted to do a bio episode, but it was almost kind of more fun just jumping in first here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I—we'll I, get into another episode. One of the reasons I want to do a bio is because I'm kind of interested in how an anarchist and a, and a lawyer kind of work together. Oh, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later because like, we're gonna keep rambling and fucking we'll never stop. And I'm trying to drop yeah. this tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, I so yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll let you go. Uh, yeah, like, share, subscribe, all that good shit, or don't, whatever. I don't fucking care. <laughs> all right, we'll see you.
1: All right, later.
0: Whoop. Come on, <laughs> oh, come on!
1: What is it doing? not in oh there we go <laughs> do you do you like streaming